All right, welcome to the podcast, the Auburn Men's uh, National Championship uh, building team unit, uh, guys that have been in the program with David Marsh from the beginning all the way to the end, and uh, a lot of great people here. So I just want to introduce David Marsh, Yoav Brock, Dean Hutchinson, Mark Gangloff, Aaron Charla, and Matt Target. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Thank you. More eagle. More eagle. All right, well, listen, um, Matt, I was having a conversation with you uh, a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about kind of just documenting some of the history of the program, and, you know, you had really good perspective on it, so I just wanted to get your ideas uh, as we kick off this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. We were just chatting about, you know, how things were, you know, in 2009 as I left, but also, like, how things were, like, decades and decades before that, right? I have a keen interest in, in culture and how like teams are and also a lot of like what's very current from people like working from home, working from anywhere. And so I just find it you know fascinating. And so working at Google, there's a lot of correlations between how Auburn was when, you know, in our championship era um, and how like successful teams are. And I thought who better to, to talk to than everybody here. It's meant to be, you know, a learning experience for, for people that, you know, there's kids in college that weren't around when you won the, the first championship, right? Like, so uh, I wanted for I wanted it to be like a, a learning experience for for people, not just Auburn University students, but anyone that's interested in culture and swimming or just learning in, in general. Yeah. From yeah, the best, and I'm really glad that everyone's able to join. Awesome. Well, there's a lot to talk about, David. Some really good uh, guys on the on the uh, podcast here today, and a couple of guys uh, who were early with you in the program, uh, Dean and Yoav. Uh, just talk about them real quick and the impact that they had on the the early stages of, of the the dynasty that you built at Auburn. Yeah, Brad. I think as as we start, I, I I'm sort of especially seeing Matt there and you there. Uh, I'm really feeling the bracket of uh, Richard Quick, and I'd like to honor Richard Quick early in this broadcast by uh, 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 really bringing his name up, but also uh, the fact that someone like Richard who has passed now, but has had an impact, such a big impact on me and the Auburn team when Eddie Reese left, left and took the job to Texas. And then through mentoring you know, me through these years, uh, all the way to the end when he took the program back over after I left and won the championship with you and Matt and the, the crew that, that uh, dominated that NCAA championship. I, I, would, I would say one thing's for sure about championships and culture, it's about the people more than the things you do and, and the, how the people grow, how the people uh, develop, how they contribute, uh, their, their, their passionate stories end up being the spark plugs that not only sort of ignites the success, but also there it's, it's what carries you when you're, when you're going through, you know, November training and you, and you know, it's like this stinks, but we got to do it. This is what the teams used to do. We went through it. You got to go through it now too. And, uh, and, and I'm looking forward to this coming out because I think it's a thread of this through our whole history, including back when I was swimming for Richard and we had guys like Dave McCagg and Billy Forster, and Rowley and Rick Morley and, and these these kind of guys in the program that were established a, a, a great uh, foundation of our team back in the 70s and early 80s. And then the team, you know, took a, took a, a dip and went downhill a little bit. And so when I came back, I was just committed to the thing 
getting back to what it was. And I was fortunate to have some amazing people that were, first of all, willing to change from what they had decided to come to Auburn for during the 80s. You know, they, they came there for different reasons. That, so they got on board and changed. And then we were, I was fortunate enough to bring uh, Yoah Brook with me from Las Vegas because he was swimming for me in high school because he was already thinking he wanted to be an international level performer. And that wasn't the culture at the Auburn team at that time. And then Dean, we just got lucky because Alabama said hell no to him. So he ended up uh, coming over to Auburn and, and we uh, got real lucky. And I let the two of them tell their, their, their versions of those stories, except to know that it, none of the, nobody, on the, nobody on this call is about the way that when they arrived to Auburn, it's all about what happened to them during the experience and how it's affecting them even now. And so to get to visit with you, Brett, and, and, and all you guys right now, is just such an honor and, and very exciting and actually really emotional for me. So I'm, uh, I'm very pleased to be here tonight with you guys. Awesome. Yoav, talk to us about that a little bit. What was your decision to follow David out to Auburn? Well, I was a 17-year-old uh, kid out of Israel when I decided I want to be the best I want I can be. And uh, back at the time, I was reading Swimming World magazine. That was my only way to know what's happening in America and just happened to be lucky to have a, a community college roommate of David or someone who swam with in high school who was coaching in Israel and put me in touch. I went to Las Vegas uh, to do my senior year as an exchange swimmer. Uh, funny enough, the family I lived with, um, their, their son, Tyler Mayfield, was one of the best swimmers and, and he was heavily recruited and ended up going to Stanford. And I just knew I want to be the best I want to be. And to be honest, and this tells a lot about uh, David's uh, attitude or state of mind at the back of the time, I didn't know anything about Auburn. David told all coaches I cannot be recruited because I got to go back to the Army in Israel. Um, <laughs> he saved some recruiting money. <laughs> um, lucky for me, he, he he gave me a good scholarship with that. But um, yeah, I, I landed in Atlanta and I had uh, Derek Carson, who was a year ahead of me, uh, who was already at, uh, at Auburn trying to run away from David, pick me up at the airport. And the first time I saw Auburn was the uh, first day of practice, um, September, end of August, uh, 1990. So um yeah, it's 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 all David and and uh, his passion for Auburn that I'm carrying until today. So you know the the program started by by you know probably different people than a few years down the road when you guys were recruiting the best swimmers in the world. I just happened to get down there with David, and like David said, we shared the passion to be the best we can, and I came to America to be the best I can. So. I think this is kind of like how it all started for me, just being led down to Auburn and um, love from first sight and a lot of hard work. But uh, yeah, that's my story. That's awesome. Dean, what about you? What was your decision to, uh, to, to end up down in Auburn, Alabama? Uh, yeah, you and I had different paths to get down at Auburn, Alabama. Uh, I did not have any uh, international goals or Olympic aspirations or uh, anyone believing in any of that. Um, no one wanted me. I mean, plain and simple, there was no internet back then to like research schools. So the few schools I email, I wrote letters to and actually put stamps on, I didn't hear from. 
my best friend Joe Willard went to Auburn the year before me and uh, then inherited David as a coach and David Sprint came in spring and started recruiting and uh, you know I, I would say what what I thought was cool about David was he would look at people as their attitude their character and what they thought they could do and what they were willing to do and if he felt like you were tough enough to do something he could make you a great swimmer because mm. um, really that's the only reason he looked at me I mean no one wanted me and he met with me talked to my family had us walk around Auburn and said yeah you can come here because I think he was confident that if you were a certain way he could make you fast um, and that's kind of what I look like look at with my athletes when I send them places you know if I call someone and say hey look if you believe in yourself as a coach this kid can be fast and David taught me that more than anything like you know uh, give him the right tools and it doesn't have to be tall. It doesn't have to be talented. Give him someone with heart and he's going to make them pretty fast. And, uh, you know, that's really how I ended up at Auburn was he just said, here's a kid that can play sports and is athletic and has a mindset to work hard. And, you know, and I think he figured out he'll eventually teach me how to do things the right way. Cause when I came there, I didn't, I mean, no one at Auburn knew how to do it the right way. So it was yeah. a rough yeah. But uh, that's how I got there is he just said, I can make this kid who doesn't know what he's doing fast. And yeah. that's what it was. Well, David, tell me this. I, I got my own stories on, on both these guys. But you tell me, whenever, you know, we won for the first time in 97. These guys turned up in 1990. So there's seven years of, of people that have come through the program before we finally win a championship. But every time I hear about people before the first championship these two guys are the guys that i'm always hearing about constantly over and over again what is it about these two guys that stood out from the rest well because they're models i mean they're they're in it in it they were walking the walk not talking they were talking the talk too we were we all had to talk to talk because nobody was talking about us so if we didn't talk nobody was we weren't going to get mentioned so we had to figure out how to get get uh, to where we were at least getting in conversations. And when these guys came in, again, they weren't the top summers, you know, in the world or in the country or in some cases in, in their own states. But the attitude was critical. And if you fast forward real quickly and you look at 1994, where we win the first SEC title, we go from not being one of the worst teams in the SECs and not scoring any points in NCAAs in 19. Uh, 90 when I came that first year to being, you know, major we player. We did a little. We scored a little. Huh? We scored a little. Just, no, in 1989 before I got there. Oh, correct. Just, correct. Yeah. So we, and then we, and then we went evolved over those years. And, and then by the end, and then there's a moment like, cause here, here's a moment. So when y'all was swimming in the Olympic games in 1996 Olympics, and he's with Israel on the relay, Israel never put a, relay in the finals of the Olympic Games. Well, Israel moves through to the finals in the medley relay, and Yoav splits. And that's great. That's amazing. But I'm an Auburn guy, so I'm, I'm happy for them. But I'm really happy that Yoav splits a 48 on the relay, which back then is a crazy fast time. And that is the kind of thing that happened at Auburn with a lot of different people. And it allowed us to have stories to tell. There's no more compelling story than Dean's story from a guy who was not even considered a factor 
And then as he got there and improved and, and by spending hours and hours and hours at the pool with Bill Pilzik, especially with Bill, uh, perfecting the best start there's ever been in swimming and spending time on every detail he could figure out how to get better. Uh, by his uh, senior year, he was on his way to uh, being a major player at the SEC level. And then, of course, he runs into major uh, uh, tragedy and challenge, and he overcomes that. Uh, you, know, he, he, you know, we think he's going to have to retire his senior year because of, uh, of uh, what he was dealing with in the hospital. And he basically crawls out of his bed and says, I'm going to be on this team. And uh, not only uh, is, he, is he a factor, he wins the SECs in the 50, breaks Rowdy Gaines' record. And this is all happening in this window of time. So, Brett, what that allowed me to have as a head coach and, you know, Mike Bottom, Dave Bottom, the different coaches that are there at that point, we, could t we had stories to tell recruits. And that allowed us to begin to build the narrative that if you come to Auburn, you can dream as big as you want to dream and we can deliver. And up till 1993, we had a, only had a 25-yard pool that we could uh, share with them. But, uh, but once we had, you know, a 50-meter pool, then we had a facility also that was, was something. And then it was a matter of recruiting them to the state of Alabama, and it was a matter of recruiting them to a team that didn't have uh, current history uh, that had been established. But we did have stories, and the stories were genuine. And more important, whenever a recruit would come to campus, uh, the athletes had a passion to let them know about this amazing university that they discovered uh, called Auburn University. And uh, people would uh, fall in love with it or they wouldn't like it and they wouldn't come. But most would fall in love with it and we'd have a, sh a good shot at them. So that's the background. Mm. Well, I'm going to tell you a story in a second uh, uh, of y'all, but I want to go to Dean real quick. Dean, um, there was obviously a weeding out period. And when you were there, there's, there's people – dropping off quick. So what is it about you and what is it about David that connected and, and why did you stay and why did you hang and why did you thrive? And then how did you end up then changing the mindset of everybody else around you? Um, I don't know how he survived that first year. I mean, honestly, you know, it wasn't like they were, it wasn't like there were any like horrible people on our team. We just, we just had a horrible culture. So there were people doing things wrong because that's what the team did. And, and David came in and said, this isn't happening. And 18 people quit or got kicked off the team in his first year. As that, and we didn't, you didn't realize until the end of the year and you open up the yearbook, the media guy, and you go one, two, three, and you start counting. You're like, Oh my God, 18 people are off this team in one year. And as a coach, like, you know, you got to report to your athletic director and all. And like, now that I'm older and I look back on that stuff, that takes a lot of guts to go through it's what our team needed. Um, and I don't know. I mean, I just, you know, I, I latched on to someone like Yoav. Um, you know, you just wanted to be better. You wanted to be better in everything you did. Um, and Yoav was always like that. I mean, we had someone to look at and say, well, he does everything right. And for a little while, you're kind of like, just shut up, Yoav. Like, you don't have to be perfect all the time. But he was. And if he wasn't, I don't think we would have went there. Um, but that's really what it came down to is you just – you got tired of getting beat. Like, I didn't have any Auburn ties when I went down there. And all of a sudden, the first meet, they – you know, the team went, gets every first, second, and third in every race, and you're embarrassed. And it was just not wanting to be embarrassed. And that's what it really came down to. So you're yeah. going to stick it out just just to prove a point is 
what it was for us. Um, I, a, a point for me, a moment was, you know, Texas came to Auburn, I think our sophomore year for a dual meet at Auburn. And it was kind of like, they were just doing David a favor, like, Oh yeah, we'll come down and swim you guys and like pat you on the back and say, you guys are doing a good job down here in Alabama. I can't believe we're in Alabama. And uh, he's, you know, he stacked the medley relays with a bunch of people that no one wanted, no one cared about. And we beat Texas, you know, and I remember him saying, we're going to go after this relay and we're, and we're all stupid and we don't know anything. Y'all was the only one that knew anything of like global swimming. So when he says, we're going to win this relay, we're all like, yeah, all right, we'll win the relay. We win it. And like, you know, we had no business winning stuff like that, but you know, he just put a bunch of people together that no one wanted and made us believe in it. And we were like, okay, yeah, we, we should be able to beat these people. You know, we're Olympians. We don't care. And, uh, you know, and when we started beating people like that, you could see the looks we got, you know, it, it was, it wasn't positive looks. It was more like <laughs> you guys are annoying as hell and you know, you don't belong here. Um, but it was fun. And, and David drug us along and Yov was the guy we looked to and we're like, you know, for a long time, we were like, God, I'm never going to be like that. But then as I got older, I started thinking the people that were leaders when I was a freshman didn't do me any favors. So then we started, you know, Yov and I drugged freshmen out of, out of scenarios they shouldn't be in. Um, and we were willing to do that for the betterment of the team and the betterment of the people. But it took us, it took David a few years to get that point across to us. And then we started doing what was right. And that's, where it came from yeah well i want to i want to get around to to everybody because i don't want everyone just to sit here because everyone's got their own stories and their own piece of the puzzle i will say this the the championships that that david you did win went from 97 99 and then this is where gangloff comes in 03 04 and then 05 06 07 you just went on a run there a crazy stretch of winning and then the last championship uh, we won was in 09 with, with Target as being one of the captains. So a lot to talk about um, in terms of the dynasty that you created. But I will say this in terms of uh, me getting to Auburn, my, my own personal story. I was in Paris of all places, Paris, France. And I'm at a World Cup meet with the Australian swim team. And, uh, and, and it's snowing real hard this day. And... And we're traveling around doing the World Cup circuit with the Australian team. And uh, we're waiting outside for the bus. And there's a guy, the, the guy comes out and he's got this beautiful jacket on. I mean, it's, it, it is like the most amazing swim jacket I've ever seen in my life. And it just has this huge auburn across the back. And I was like, I was so jealous of this man. He just looked majestic in this jacket, you know. And he comes up to me and he's very charismatic. And he's, and he's talking to me, you know, I can't remember the exact conversation, but something like, Hey man, what's your name? How are you doing? Where, where are you from? What do you swim? Have you ever thought of coming to America? You know, he's giving me this sales pitch, but he's doing it in a way that's really convincing of like, maybe I do want to go swim with this guy who's got this beautiful jacket, you know, and, and it's, and it's Yoav Brock, you know, and, um, it's just uh, it's just something that sticks in my memory because it's the first contact I had with anyone from Auburn University and it's this beautiful man here from Israel and uh, and he gave me this sales pitch in Paris France and told me that I need to come swim with his team and uh, and it's just funny how it how it ended up I, I, I ended up being part of that team which was the best decision of my life and it all started with Yov and the interaction I had with him 
but um that that's my story and then uh you know we we I did come in in 1996. I actually turned up on Christmas Day. I turned up in Atlanta on Christmas Day. I actually had Christmas. It was summer in Australia. I went to the beach in the morning. I went for a surf. I kissed my parents goodbye. I got on an airplane. I landed in Atlanta and it was snowing in Atlanta. So I went from the, I went from the summer to the winter. And then, uh, and then I turn up a couple of days later to Auburn University and jump on a jump on a van, and we're headed straight down to Christmas training. And that was my first experience with the Auburn University swim team was to head down to Christmas training and and do a uh, a memorable David Marsh birthday set. Um, I think of, I think at that time I think you were turning forty. It might have been forty two hundred IMs, something like that. It's something beautiful. <laughs> Oh, um, crazy! But, but I do. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Eighty two hundred IMs now. Um, one of my teammates was Aaron Charles. So, Aaron, how did you end up coming to Auburn, and why'd you pick? Why'd you pick Auburn? Oh my God, man! I don't even know. You know what? And obviously, two guys on this call, Yoav and 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 Dean. Uh, I remember going to like a sectional meet in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And, uh, you know, I had a couple of buddies that I grew up swimming against and with, with, you know, in the Southeast dynamo and, and they ended up going to Auburn, Brock, um, Brock Newman, the great Brock Newman, Danny Ott, a couple of my teammates, Bayless Wydell, David, I don't know if you remember Bayless, yeah. but I remember just being at a, being at a sectional meet and same thing, just yo off. I remember Danny, talking to Yoav and Yoav was just sitting on this big speaker on the side of the pool, just like he owned the place in, in Tuscaloosa. And I was like, man, this guy just has the vibe, you know? Mm. And, uh, it just, I just had that, that feeling like I, I want to be a part of these guys, it, but, it, but let me go even further back to 1993 nationals in, uh, <laughs> David, you know where I'm going with this one. Oh yeah. I was it was that Pasadena, California? Uh Irvine or Pasadena? Yeah, somewhere where it was warm, I hope. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was warm. Yeah, it was warm. I, I remember, you know, again, one of my old teammates, Danny Otti, swam at Mecklenburg in Charlotte. And then he swam at Auburn and he was like, Come here, I want you to come meet my, some of my teammates. And I was like, Awesome. You know, I'm this little sophomore in high school. And David Marsh, here's David walking up and down the pool deck in a Speedo, nothing on but a Speedo, during the mile, you know, cheering on the milers. And he's having his swimmers, because he had, from what I remember, he had the whole team stay, or anyone who wasn't swimming, you know, he had them stay and cheer on the milers. And he had them splashing the pool deck because it was so hot out so he could walk up and down so he wouldn't burn his feet. Mm. And I was like, I, I need to be a part of this. And then, you know, fast forward a couple of years and you got Yoav sitting on the speaker. And then uh, Dino, I remember Dean, I was at the Olympic Training Center in Colorado Springs. And I remember hearing, I remember, I think it was Jimmy Flowers. I was there for like Olympic training camp, you know, when I was maybe in 10th grade, 11th grade. And Dean was there and uh, Dean was after, you know, the issues with your lungs and Jimmy was telling us your story. And I was like, this is, this is just too much. Like I have to be part of this, you know? And then, you know, a year later I'm, I'm in a, 
a little Nissan something with uh, Bill Pilsick driving to Denny's to get breakfast. And I'm like, all right, I'm coming here. Can't tell these guys, but I'm coming here. (laughs) (laughs) It was too much. It was too too perfect. It was too blue collar. And these guys just wanted it so bad. And it was everything I wanted. So I had to be a part of it. A lot of great stories. Uh, Gangloff, uh, Mark, give us your uh, reason of why you ended up at Auburn. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, kind of David hit on this earlier, but it was, the, I guess, the people that were a thread throughout the program that I looked up to. I mean, I, I can remember flipping through media guides and seeing you off, seeing uh, you, seeing Charla. I mean, just seeing the people um, sitting in my, my bedroom, you know, when I was a junior in high school or senior in high school, and then meeting the people and then also um, you know, just kind of ha- having Bill Pilsick be there uh, to teach me how to do a start is, is something that I remember very, very vividly. And just kind of this thread of people that cared so much about the place uh, that wanted to do it the right way for the right reasons. And, and, and to me, that was, that was uh, you could, f- when you're interacting with people like that, you feel it. And, and that's what made it feel like this is a place that I want to be at. And this is a place where I feel like I can be successful and, and I think why um, it hits on to why it is a special experience for, for those of us that got to go through it. It is the people that were so into it 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but being recruited, you know, I got recruited to other places like Texas and Tennessee and USC uh, and Florida, but it just felt like the most genuine place where I felt like I, the people that were there, I felt like they, they were, they were my best friends immediately. And I, I, you know, I could be my most genuine self when I was uh, around my teammates and, and we wanted to do great things when we were there too. Yeah. Uh, I want to, I want to get to Matt in a sec, but uh, David must be super proud moment for you to see Mark as the head coach of UNC. Now it's pretty, pretty cool, right? It's amazing. And I got a chance to watch it up close and personal and just, seeing how this first year went with him. One, because I was helping him out, but also because I had a daughter at Duke. And it was just so fun to, to, uh, to see the transformation within the chemistry of the team. Honestly, it's a lot like 1990, in my opinion, that, that you could see with the conversations on the pool decks. We did a training camp at his pool, and I heard what was going on with, with the athletes. And it, it's happening at UNC. I mean, it's going to be a place where – if you want to get better, if you want to uh, uh, move to the next level and do it within a family atmosphere, it's going. That's what's exactly what's going to happen at UNC over the next few years. And yes, I'm 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 proud, like a papa, like I am of you, and like I am of you know all all you guys. And and uh, uh, but it's it's especially fun when it's a you know college situation that I can see it's just going to launch, and that's what's going to happen you know in Chapel Hill. Yeah. Now, Matt, you have a unique story. You actually committed to another school. You went there for the first year and then transferred into Auburn. Talk to us about that, that transition and that decision to leave and ultimately become part of the family at Auburn. Yeah. Interesting. You say family and everyone's talking about uh, the people, right? Like the people that reinforce the stories, the rituals, the language, the, the symbols. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you rewind a couple of years before I committed to UVA, I was on pool deck with you in Melbourne and you're sort of handcuffed by the NCAA rules saying you should go to America. You should, you know, you should definitely go to America. Wasn't able to say, go to Auburn, talk to David. But, you know, from there, I did my SATs, went to UVA. Wasn't a great fit for me. 
Um, and as I was thinking about what was next, whether I go home or whether I, I go elsewhere, I saw Fred go 18-7 and I was like, this is obviously somewhere I need to think about. Mm. And until then, I didn't really know a lot about Auburn. Um, and so had a recruiting trip there planned um, and also to Berkeley. I think I was talking to like Mike Bottom or somebody, but it didn't matter afterwards. I met everybody. I met the family. Uh, and back then, it was like a huge like span of people, those that wanted to still be a part of it, those who were working with the team, those who were seniors that were trying to build uh, for the next years and, and those that like cared and, and people like PK and Rob Dillinger and all that were just a part of the team and the culture and just like happy to be a part of it and wanted to volunteer their time or just like see Auburn be successful. Um, that was just so compelling to me. And I took one recruiting trip my entire life and that was it. Yeah. Well, you had a huge impact on the program once you got there, you know, winning national championships and, um, and, and being a captain and, and being a leader and uh, the program's indebted to you uh, for, for many years. So thank you for everything you did. Uh, David, just in terms of culture and, and bringing people together and, you know, Matt works for Google now, big organization, obviously. And so, you know, we, we talk about this a lot in terms of, how do you bring people together from, from all different cultures, from all different backgrounds, from all different, um, you know, ways of, of growing up and thinking, um, how do you bring them together to create one team that ultimately goes to compete and wins championships? Well, I, you know, I think somewhat of the situation we're in right now when you hear on the news and everything, but, but my mind goes to, like the diversity of thought, the diversity of backgrounds of these athletes, but on a common mission is extra powerful. You know, the last thing you want to do is have a bunch of homogenous people that do the same thing. They think the same way. I mean, right now, I mean, every one of the guys in this call, there are days when I was pulling my hair out to coach these guys at, at different moments. And yet that edge uh, that they presented, including you, Brett, that that challenged the, the you know the challenged the system at times <laughs> that 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 pushed the envelope at times that went that that went beyond let's say the norms that same place that space right there is where excellent occurs and so uh, uh, I had I didn't know that like I didn't read any book about that when I was coming through I just I just knew that I was sick and tired of Auburn not being good when I came back in 1990. I knew it was going to get better, and damn it, if I was going to do anything, I was going to take it by the neck and make it better. And then as years went on, I was able to release that, that, that responsibility to the athletes on the team. And we had a variety of amazing assistant coaches come through the program, and, and selecting them was a critical part of it, and really uh, uh, enabling them. And, and so I think that's a big part of the story of building the championship culture was not that I did something, you know, amazingly magical. It was more a matter of when I needed to sit on people and when I needed to release them. Uh, there were plenty of times when I think you guys in lane eight thought you're getting away with something like, oh, you were hiding under the bulkhead, so I had to do these 50s. When I, you know, most of the time I knew what was going on, but, you know, you're, you're sprinters, so really, I didn't know everything. Okay, yeah. <laughs> There's hopefully more stories coming, but, uh, but I, I had a good feel things. And I, at the same time, I, I, you know, sort of didn't want to know everything. Cause you got, you know, I believe you have to have an edge in order to go to ex the extreme. And I was asking for extremes. I mean, I wasn't asking for norm. I mean, normal would be, would be, 
progressively get better. No, I wanted to like get a, get you guys get a lot better. So to do that, that, uh, that, that requires, uh, you know, an emotional, physical transformation that really becomes to some degree uh, spiritual in, in nature as far as that goes. And I think Auburn was a perfect place for that to occur because it was a small college town that the, uh, by by the uh, by the late '90s, the summers were big deals on the in, in the in the in the city and on the campus. That wasn't like that in the early '90s. The early '90s, we were we were kicked out of the the Memorial Coliseum because they're having cheerleader practice, so we couldn't run stadium stairs. I mean, my first dealer car, you know, your college coach you get a dealer car was a was a Geo Metro with the door dented in. You know, there was no respect <laughs> for something when I took the job at Auburn. And over years, we earned that respect. And with every level we earned that respect, we sort of demanded respect. And then we worked on uh, that jacket was no mistake, Brett Hawk. I mean, there was no mistake that, that you all, Brooke, had that, that fancy jacket. We worked hard at our – I didn't even know what the word branding was back then. But I knew that we weren't that good. So to get people's attention, we needed to at least look good if we weren't good. So we worked on looking good. And so all those kind of things started coming together. And I remember now Jeff I know why you recruited me. <laughs> looks mm-hmm. good looking man. It didn't, hurt. it didn't hurt. But Jeff, you know, Jeff, I remember Jeff Dugdale going out to the, uh, you know, so we didn't have a very good budget early on here, but he'd, he'd drive out to the Russell mills and we would, he'd pick up the, uh, the, the free stuff they would give us and we'd print Auburn all over it. And so we'd have a bunch of Auburn gear all over the place. And, uh, and I, you know, and, and being a guy that, was an Auburn swimmer myself and someone who went from not very good to an SEC champion. Um, I wanted people to have a shot at experiencing uh, what I had experienced. And in that window of time, you know, I grew to, to, to love Auburn and knowing that the transformational possibilities that are available in that campus, my daughter's a junior there right now, she's having a transformative experience and she's not in athletics. So there is something really amazing about the school itself and I think that was a, a, a part of the story. It wasn't just about what happened to the pool. It was about what happened around the campus as well. Hmm. Well, listen, Yoav, you know, both Aaron and I have, have both mentioned the fact that we kind of picked up on your swag. You know, you hadn't won a, you didn't win a national championship. You won, you won the first SEC championship, which was pivotal in the program's progression to where it ended up. But um, you didn't have that national championship swag yet. So, what was it about you that, that you feel like you, you had that and that we picked up on that and we ran with that? Because if you, if you didn't have that, I, I wasn't going to feed off that. And then ultimately, you know, so you started the ball rolling with the swag. How did you develop that and wh- why did you have that? Well, I think everything starts with David and his passion for the sports, him as a, as a person, period, but, but him as, as an Auburn man. I mean, David obviously loves Auburn and always have and always will and we've kind of got it from him and then I think I mean there's so many stories to tell and I wish we had more time but I'll just give you a bit of like a story maybe this will answer the question so you know we we come to Auburn our freshman year swimming at SEC and uh, I mean I'm assuming people who listen to that know swimming so Florida has Anthony Nesty and Martin Zubero the world record holders in backstroke and butterfly their breaststrokers and freestylers are number two in the world. Uh, Tennessee has Melvin Stewart, who's a world record holder and the Olympic champion to win a butterfly. Alabama has John Olson, an Olympic champion on a freestyle. 
So we're swimming against those guys. And, and we, we know what it's like to be fast. It's just we're not there yet. So that was, that was kind of like, a, a, you know, they were role models, but the ones we didn't like too much. But we looked up and, and we said, we want to be that good. Then, you know, I, one thing I remember was SEC 93, a year before we won it first time ever. And, and guys, you need to understand, for us, winning SECs was probably a lot bigger than uh, years 03, 04, or 05, or 06, or 07, or 09 winning national championships. I mean, we came from getting one, two, three at everything to winning SECs, coming from being freshmen where the other schools have Olympic champions and we're like no names. And uh, our senior year, we lost to Stanford by two one hundreds of a second on the last relay of NCAAs. For me, it was special because, like I said earlier, I, I lived with Tyler who went to Stanford and he wouldn't even consider looking at Auburn. And then we end up losing, but by two one hundreds uh, at NCAAs, which kind of sent a statement. But 93 um, SECs, I, I had the best meet of my life. I, I think I, don't know, I, won, I got second or many events. Once again, there's so many better swimmers than I did. And we got second. And we came back to Auburn, we had a big old party, and Dave almost kicked all of us off the team. So as, as close to winning the first one in 94, 93, we, we got second and we celebrated, it, and it was the end of the world from David. End of the world. What are you celebrating? Getting second? And then again, remember, there are guys on the team who didn't even think in their wildest dreams that we'll get second SECs, but that wasn't enough. That was not enough at all and you know david just mentioned leadership and, and extreme versus being normal and, and earning the respect and and above all the love for Auburn. So you know a guy from israel a guy from new jersey you guys are aussies from all over the world i mean you, you've mentioned uh, fred who would have thought i'll come back to Auburn? i don't know five six years after i graduated just on a normal it was the fastest time in history uh, just in practice, you know why? Because he wanted to, and, and we're like, okay, it's in our blood. It started from nothing, and mind you, I think our generation was so different than yours. I mean, I'm thinking of Ganglov. You know, we followed you for years, meet after meet. I remember sitting on the internet and, and looking at every swim. It was in our blood, and obviously, we've lost that connection now, which kind of hurts. And I think we can bring it back. But there's something about the passion, the belief. But then we were different because we had so much to prove as opposed to some studs being recruited and they had to prove differently, just, you know, they had to prove that they were the right recruits. So I think there's a lot to learn from the beginning. Obviously, David had to change the mindset because he could have recruited the best swimmers in the world uh, after a few years. But the first few years was, and I think there's a lot to be learned because there aren't too many teams that go for national championship year in and year out, but a lot of people who listen to us can be a team that is not. And, and, and Mark, I'm your biggest fan right now because if David said you're doing the same thing he did at Auburn, then I know you'll succeed. I know you have it in your blood. And it's kind of like more exciting to bring a team from nowhere than to just win again and again and again. And um, um, I think we all know it without talking, but for people listening to us, all those stories, will probably come together and they'll understand that there was no compromise. There was never enough. We always wanted more. Um, we knew that the road will be long and, and we're leaving a legacy behind us. And it doesn't matter if we don't win that year, 
there'll be people coming after us. And that's the beauty of college swimming. You know, you recruit people. Uh, I mean, Brett, I recruited you knowing you're not going to swim with me, but it's in our blood and, and we, we cared about the program even after we leave. Mm, yeah. Yeah, well, let's, let's get into kind of the first championship then real quick. Um, you know, Charla, what is it about that 97 team specifically that, that you feel like that's where it all clicked for everybody? Oh, man. I think, you know, 97, you know, I was just a freshman. Uh, I, was a, I was a newbie. And, you know, my whole perspective was coming and learning from guys like Nick Shackle, Scott Tucker, uh, John Hargis, um, you know, Tom Clement, he was only a sophomore, but even you, Brett, you came in mid year and I was like, Oh my God, I'm learning so much. Cause you were, you were older, you know, you were, you were more mature. You had the experience. So the 97, I was along for the ride. You know, I was, David gave me the opportunity to be on the relays and, and kind of fight for those. And, and David, I remember you sitting me down and saying, you know, I don't want you on my relays because if if you're on my relays, that means you know, uh, you know, I I you're I I need four more guys faster than you, you know. So you made me fight for it, and uh, and I appreciated that. And you know, the, however you said it, I don't know exactly how you said it, but it was to get me motivated and to get the teammate the the team motivated for that. But you know, '97 was um, for me uh, more of a with without 97 we wouldn't have had that in my opinion the year 99 98 was a little bit of a misfire but you know um 99 wouldn't have happened for me if 97 didn't happen as a learning experience so yeah what about from your perspective david how did the how did 97 end up being the year that you finally win the first one well, I mean, honestly, you, you and Lionel and Romy showing up in January was a massive boost, you know. And so I would say that was a, that was a, fa a huge factor at the beginning because we were really good already. I mean, honestly, in 96, we should have had our first NCAA title. But in 96, back when they had the Olympic trials in March, we shaved and rested every single athlete that went to the Olympic trials. Now, had we not – shaped and rested John Hargis he wouldn't have made the Olympic team and won the Olympic trials the 100 fly and we had Jack Amowski making finals Oliver Gumbrell I mean we had guys just just rocking at that meet I believe we'd have gone on to you know had we peaked for NCAAs we would have crushed that meet but we had guys who were just you know just missed making Olympic so they were they were devastated by the time we got the NCAAs two weeks later uh but I think the fire from that year carried over the next year so we're gonna and I think the attitude was we're gonna get it right this year and so everybody was had a full investment, and uh, there was a moment, Brett, when you when you guys came in, and uh, Lionel and Romy needed to learn how to speak English, so that was a different challenge. But <laughs> but, but you uh, but you we did some sprints in the in the uh, in the diving well, and I didn't even know how good you were, Brett. I mean, I knew what your times were, but I was I didn't know you were you know who the heck you were in, in reality. I just knew you were pretty fast, and everybody needs sprinters, so yeah, come on. And you got a diving well, and you you were, you were doing some power sprints and dive well. You were literally levitating in the water and just crushing all the sprinters that were in the pool. And I was like, holy crap, this guy is unbelievable. And then, you know, two weeks later, you're some in the Texas dual meet, and you beat Neil Walker from lane. You know, we, we hide you in lane eight, and you beat Neil Walker. And it's like, okay, you know, this thing, this thing is happening. 
And uh, so you really ought to talk about the 97 team too, Brett, because, you know, in many ways you are, you know, our SEC champion there. And, uh, uh, but, or NCAA champion there. But we're, you know, we were always about teams. So we were never that concerned about, you know, how our, how many people won events. We were way more concerned about how many finals we finished in. It was all about getting top eight, top eight, top eight. And uh, it was about getting rid of the, the prelims the next day, prelims the next day. And I think that culture got passed on and on. And, uh, and 97 was an was a, 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 a amazing breakthrough because, you know, it, it's, it's, sad, it's sad to some degree, but just like 94 at SECs, there's nothing like winning to get the attention of everybody. You know, even if you finish second, it's just not the same thing. So, in essence, your branding, your, uh, the, the possibilities that people imagine – uh, are all are all elevated, and I and I sense that elevation, and that not with that '97 team, and and uh, and we were able to use that for years and years beyond that. Well, what I loved, yeah, about Dave, it, you know, oh yeah, you go hey, for Brett, it. Let me, uh, yeah, because I was in the diving wall that day, so <laughs> I <laughs> I really think, and David, you know, I remember going into that uh, that Christmas training. And then with those three guys with Lionel Romy and Brett showing up, just the shift with the mentality of what was, because I already think we had a winning mindset, but I think with you showing up and with uh, Lionel and Romy showing up and then just the energy. And I didn't know anything about anything. Like, you know, I'm a little blue collared nothing. And I just, I remember like, wow, like this team is maybe the greatest thing I've ever seen or heard of. We didn't have the internet back then, but, you know, and just the energy that Brett that you brought that day, I was like, this is this is different from what it was a month ago in Auburn. And we already knew that we wanted to win. Like I can't imagine what you know, what this group is capable now. You know, and you're famous for a few quotes from some of the Christmas training. I'm sure you remember that. Well, I just I remember David created a competitive environment. That's what I needed. I needed a competitive environment. I needed a place where I could go in and compete to be the best. And David created an environment that allowed everybody if you wanted that, you could have that. And 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 I thrived in that environment and um and then what what was also created was also a uh, a family of such so that you weren't you weren't trying to, you were trying to kill the person next to you. And then you would, you would hug that person. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's why it's the reason why I love MMA now because they, they have this connection at the end of a fight, even though they go out there and beat the hell out of each other at the end, they hug and they respect each other. And they say that there's some, there's some sort of kinship there. And that's kind of what we had is David would create an environment. Where we would just beat the hell out of each other. And at the end of it, we'd, we'd be best friends and something would unite us in that, you know? And so, um, certainly that I needed that. And then, um, you know, I, I know that coming into the team that what I found is that we were, we were fighting for something. David, David created an environment where we were fighting for something, you know? And, and so there was always these talks of something bigger, something better for us. And, um, you know, we were, we were, uh, all we all wanted a ring, you know. We all wanted a championship ring, and I know David. If you got your championship rings there still, you got them with you. You need to you need to get those. Yeah, go for a run. Um, yes. 
he's got he's got a bunch of rings there but um but i know that but um have you got one there that you can show us oh you got a box full of them okay so i know that i wanted a ring so bad david david made this this uh this thing about winning a ring and um so that's just what i wanted i wanted the piece of jewelry what do you got there which one's that other than the 94 SEC championship ring, this, this ring is, is, means as much to me as any of them. And this was the championship ring. And you guys, of course, wanted a Super Bowl ring like that friggin' big. Hold it but, up real close. <laughs> go, go close to the camera. But it's uh, yeah, but it was a – and on the sides is a picture of us in the water. So we always – every year we'd let the – eventually let the seniors pick mm. out what they wanted on one of the sides of the ring. And we'd talk about that during the year after a while. We'd say, what's the picture – What's the image that we're going to have on the side of that national championship ring when you, as the, the uh, 2004 team or the 2005 team, put that thing on and wear it the rest of your life? And, uh, and this, this was, you know, this was uh, one of those rings that we, that we were very proud of. We always, generally always put all, a, you know, AU, that, that logo on the uh, in front of the ring. And the ring was a, more of a symbol of uh, of what we what we were trying to accomplish as a team, mm. but when you're talking about the, a, a ring, the championship ring, I could, I could, there's a while, there's years in the early 2000s where I could go in a a, a a living room and I could assure a recruit that they would leave Auburn with a national championship ring. You know, when they do a job interview somewhere, they can wear their national championship ring to that job interview and that has a lot of power to it. That has a lot of, they not, not many teams can say that. And, but that was a culture we had by then. I knew that we could deliver on that. And sure enough, all the way to the very end in 07, we delivered men's and women's title. And then, you know, Brett, you led uh, with Richard, the, the Auburn team to another national title with Matt Target. And, and so it was, it was something that uh, the, the ring, as we know, is just a symbol, but the reality is it's also a story. Yeah. Actually, speaking of stories, I want to do that. I want to go around uh, this this little room here, and I want everybody to give me one story that they think was kind of a turning point, maybe in the season or maybe a turning point in the program, something that sticks out in their memory as a pivotal moment for them in in when they were in the program and um, and something that you really feel like had an impact on the program's future. So why don't we start with Dean? Talk to us about something that, that you feel was a turning point for the team when you were on the team. Um, I, I think David's connection with old and new was important. And like you guys talk about uh, what, ma what made him great, what made the culture change. You know, you watch the, the Jordan uh, documentary and uh, – it was an all-consuming, everyday, nonstop thought of how to make himself and the team better. And David was like that. And on your 97 team, and you guys don't even remember it, I doubt, but uh, I'm at PT school in Philadelphia studying. My brain's out, miserable, tired. And David calls me out of the blue and says, hey, I asked Hargis what we have to do to win this meet going into the last day. And he said, why don't you bring Dean here? And he calls up and says, if I buy you a ticket, will you come out to this meet? And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, yeah, that's the greatest thing ever. Like, I, I, it's better than sitting here in a room by myself studying, eating, you know, drinking Mountain Dew to stay awake. So I went out there, and I don't, I don't remember one thing saying to you guys to, that made a difference, but you won the meet. But that was David. He was 
constantly pushing buttons, pulling back, pushing forward, whatever. But it was, that's what makes us all great. That's why your podcasts are great. That's why Google and Matt Target match. That's why he's in North Carolina. You know, I mean, all of us are of the mindset that every second is important to accomplish what we're trying to do. And uh, when we got at Auburn, our, our thoughts were all over the place and none of them were on swimming. And David took a bunch of weirdos together and said, this is where we're going. And, you know, he took us there without us knowing really where we were going. And, mm-hmm. and that, that's what it was. It was like, it was like going through this ridiculous train ride with the windows blackened out and you don't know where you're going and someone's yelling at you and you're just doing the best you can. And all of a sudden you come out and you're like, wow, we're pretty bad. And that's really what it was. It was pretty neat. So it was neat to watch him do it. And I don't think anyone will ever appreciate how hard it was for him and how hard it was for us. But it was yeah. fun. Yeah. No, that's awesome, man. I appreciate that. What about you, y'all? Was there any pivotal moment for you in, in terms of the way the program shifted? There's so many of them. Um but I'll choose to talk about David's team. You know, we, we, we talk so much about David and, and I think everybody knows my connection to David. So I'll talk about some assistant coaches. So, you know, part of being a great leader um, is, is having great people with you. And I, I can speak on, on my behalf that my senior year after NCAAs, and, you know, guys, correct me if I'm wrong. I still think we're the, the best improving team in the history of NCAAs in any sport. And we were unranked, then we're 20th, 16th, 6th, 4th. Then after we graduated, I think you guys were 3rd, 2nd, 1st for so many years. But in any case, um, I hope I'm, I'm, I'm right. Uh, when, I gra- when I finished swimming for Auburn 94, after we won SECs and got 4th at NCAAs, David came to me and he said, you know, you paid your dues. You can, do- you can swim a 50 now. And I was like, well, thanks, great. So Mike Bottom... Is, is there and I'm training for the world championships in uh, 94 in Rome. And from April when NCAA is finished to July, August, I got to swim with Mike. And all of a sudden all that lane eight, um, you know, experience was something I could, I could uh, dig into and end up qualifying fifth of the world championship final, which for me was like, you know, winning SECs as part of a team and getting second and being fourth in NCAAs, it's all nice. But all of a sudden on the global, uh, you know, world championships, long course, you come out of Auburn and you make the finals. I was the first Israeli ever to make final. They, they, no one's ever, ever been drug tested faster than I did. I mean, they were all, all, all over me. Like, who is this guy getting fifth and 50 freestyle? But, but that was the Auburn thing. And that, I think that was the shift. Even though I graduated already, I think our program came from nothing to being really good in, in America. And then we decided that we can be global. And uh, there's, a, there's a long story about me getting injured there, breaking the starting block. And, and, and then I'll wrap it up with David. So, so I, I almost broke my leg a week before I'm, I'm racing. And the next morning, Dave throws me in the pool and he's giving me all out 50s. And I'm like, what is he doing? I'm injured. I'm tapered. I'm a 50 freestyler now. Anyways, he, he just wanted to prove me that uh, I'm not injured and I'm, and I'm good. But all this comes back to life so many years back and you know, good old memories. Mm. 
Well, uh, that's awesome, man. You were you were a huge part of the the shift in and and us winning. You got you both. You guys were a big part of that. Thank so, uh, Charla, talk to us about uh, you know maybe a, a turning point uh, in you know for you. I know that you and I had an agreement. I don't know if many people know this, but you and I had an agreement. We were we were maybe this was ninety nine though, but uh, we were gonna we were gonna go one two in the relay, the two hundred freestyle relay. We had an agreement that we were going to go under a certain time. Do you remember what that was? Yeah, we're going to be under 38. 38, yeah, we killed that. We should have made it tougher. Yeah, <laughs> we should have made it a little harder. <laughs> but what no, about yeah. you? Is and, any, and I, any, any pivotal moments for you? No, I think I think for me it was it was just the the general uh, message that David had with us with. Uh, honor the past, respect the future, where this program is going. Um, you know, with guys with Yoav and Dean and, uh, you know, the, the guys before us that built it, it was almost like uh, leave the place better, you know, leave it better um, than it was when you got here. And I think that's where it led into the years following where I didn't want to leave, let those guys down. Um, you didn't want to let your teammates down, obviously. And that was, that was the culture of the team where you showed up every day, bring something, you know, honor, honor the past of the program and bring it to make it, make the program better in the future where you're going to be something where you're going to be proud of it. And that's what David preached. I mean, over and over, it's like, you know, this place, you know, in 20 years, 10, 15 years, you know, where do you want this program to be? And it was almost like you didn't want to disappoint. And, and I think that was the overall message where it, it so for me, it wasn't just a, a certain instance. I mean, there's a lot of instances along the way where you stepped up your game, where you, you know, you slipped day to day, you had good days and bad days, but the message, you know, that David brought was honor the past. Where do you want this program to be in the future? And so that's what you try to bring. Yeah. You know, for me, um, I was very fortunate that I was um, part of the, the national championship team in 97, the first team. And, and I didn't really fully understand what that meant. You know, at the time, I'd, I'd just been there three months. Um, I know that I had told my father that David had put me on a full scholarship. And uh, that was bullshit. So I, I, he, he was starting to get some bills uh, around January. And uh, he, was, he was like, Brett, I thought you were on a full scholarship. You know, what, what's this bill for $2,000? I was like, well, dad, you know, I, I, uh, I, I kind of lied. I'm not on a full scholarship, but I will be. Okay. I promise you I will be. And so then I, I went back to David. I said, David, we're going to have a meeting. It's like, David, uh, listen, I got to be on a full scholarship. Otherwise I can't stay. And David's like, look, the only way you're going to be on a full scholarship if, is if you win NCAAs. I'm like, all right, I got to do it then. So <laughs> So a couple of months later, the bills are coming in. My dad's freaking out. Like, you got to come home. You got to come home. You got to come home. It's like, dad, just let me, give me a chance. Just let me get the NCAAs. So anyway, long story short, we're at, we're at the 50 freestyle, morning of the 50 freestyle. Neil Walker, who's this American superstar. Everybody, everybody wants the American to be the guy, you know. So I'm actually fastest qualifier um, on paper. So I'm in the last heat. Neil Walker's in the second last heat. And he drops a 19.0. He almost goes 18, first person in history. But he made it look so easy. I was like, there's no doubt he's going 18 at night, you know. 
And so I'm thinking to myself, well, there's my scholarship. There's my full scholarship. I'm not winning this thing, you know? So, and so I stand up and then I go 19-1 right after him. And I think to myself, that's not too far away. It's not too bad. You know, I, I went from 19-6 to 19-1, but I did it really hard. And he, and he's just from 19-0 real easy. So anyway, at night we come back and, uh, and I'm in lane five, Neil's in lane four, and the whole crowd is just waiting for Neil Walker to go nine, under eight, 19 seconds, you know, an 18 second 50 freestyle. And everybody's just on edge, everybody, except a small crowd of people who could not give a shit whether he does it or not. They only want one person to win and that's me. And there's these guys that are salivating on the side of the pool, like, you got this, Brad, you got this, Brad. Like, they're just fired up, like never before. I've, I've never seen a group of people so hungry for somebody to win or, or just, just, just kill, you know, just kill. It was the mindset. You know, we had this mindset of kill. And uh, I look across at Neil, and Neil was pissing his pants. Like, I was, I was thinking to myself, oh, this guy's done. Like he is done. I, I remember looking at him. I physically laughed at him when they introduced him. I was like, this guy's done. And I just remember getting up on the block and looking at my team. And I just, I took a deep breath. Like I, as you took it, take a deep breath in, I took in energy and I was taking this energy of, of my teammates and everybody else was for Neil. And, but this small group of people, these guys were just killers and they wanted me to win so bad. And I remember taking that energy in and I, and I, and the gun went off and I felt so powerful. I felt just indestructible. Like nobody could beat me. And, and I ended up winning the race. I beat Neil. I, I swam 19 one. I didn't, I didn't break 19. I was, I was left for the great Fred Brusquet, but, uh, but I did win the race, but it was because of my teammates and it was because of this culture that David had built this, this kill, this kill mindset. And, um, and, and I remember that that gave me so much strength. And, um, and it was all from the months of work that we had done with David's leadership and belief in ourselves that we could beat anybody at any point. And, uh, and it was built on the back of Dean and Yov and people that have come before us, like Aaron had said, and it was, and it was created in terms of the vision of the future as well. So um, that was a powerful. You end up getting the scholarship, or he told you, "No, I'm in next year, and you got to win the hundred as well." <laughs> no, I got the scholarship. He uh, he was true to his word. He uh, he did he did give me a scholarship. I don't know if it was exactly the full, but it was very very close. It was it was everything I wanted and more. And and uh, you know, David was very good to me, so I, I've got no complaints at all. But um, so that's my story. But then we didn't win. We 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 lost in '98. We got beaten at home to Stanford. We won, we won again in 99, Charler and I won. But then there was this gap between 99 and 03. And that's, Mark, that's when you come into this. So you, you were, what, a junior at that stage in 03? Yeah, it was, it was my junior year. And, and, you know, the senior class that was in front of us, they um, didn't want to be the class that hadn't won a championship. So uh, the seniors of that year, Pat Calhoun, Justin Karen, Brad Kneeman, and, and, and a bunch of others, but... You know, the, the, the whole message was we can't lose. We're not going to have a gap of four years without a, uh, winning a national title. So uh, everybody was all in and that, you know, for that, that win. And we had, had a good team. And uh, kind of like you, Brett, uh, Fred Bousquet came in and, you know, he was, he was a, a lightning rod for our program. Um, but I, I think the, the most memorable thing that I can remember, um, and it speaks to David's point about, uh, not wanting a homogenous group of people. Everybody 
um, or a lot of the people on the teams that I had and even a lot of people uh, in this room have big personalities or at least really highly competitive people that were willing to get in each other's faces. Mm. But the one thing that um, everybody didn't do, or at least the best teammates, is, is you didn't, you were all in for Auburn. So no matter what, you were going to sacrifice yourself for the team or you were, um, whether or not um, that made somebody else feel comfortable, but you, you always did that, um, whatever you could for the team. And so I remember my senior year, um, we had a couple guys on the team that were phenomenal athletes. Um, and we had an awesome team. And, and, and with those guys on our, our team, you know, they, we were even better. But in the fall, um, they just didn't want to live the lifestyle that our, our championship ne team needed. And, you know, being a newly elected captain, you know, these guys made some mistakes. And we had to kind of come down to make a decision whether or not these guys are going to be on our team anymore. And we decided ultimately, no, that they weren't. And, and uh, the caliber of, in, in terms of athlete that they were was you, do, you would never, ever kick a person like that off the team. But we did. And we ended up going to NCAAs and we ended up scoring 634 points, more points than any other team in NCAA history. And it was because you didn't, you, no one was above the law. And if you wanted to disrespect and, and live a different lifestyle, then you weren't going to stay on the team, even if you were a really good athlete. And, and everybody falls into that category. And, and that's with huge personalities. But um, you sacrifice yourself for the betterment of the team. And, and that's how it goes. So. Um, that, that's what I remember generally about my experience. And that's a moment in time where I, you have to make hard decisions. Uh, and if you do, um, it, it might not feel good in the moment, but in the long term, uh, when that team comes together, it makes all the difference in the world. Mm. Yeah. Well, uh, you could do that back then. Good luck trying to do that now, Mark. Um, <laughs> I'm just messing with you. No, you guys, uh, you guys were certainly, um, part of, of the, the culture that said, you know, no one's, no one's too big, you know, and that, that's a good thing. And, um, you, you had some phenomenal athletes on your team and, and you were, you were the leader of that team. So you were the, you were the guy that was making those decisions. So there's a lot to say about you in that. Um, and then, uh, we go kind of towards the back end in the last championship with you, Matt. And, uh, you know, that was, that was Richard Quick's year, obviously David had left by then, and and Richard was David's mentor, and and Richard was uh, a, a beautiful, um, incredible man and a great leader. But he was going through, um, you know, brain cancer, and he wasn't able to be at the championship. But that that was a pretty memorable season, and you were the leader of that team. Talk to us about kind of that championship and what it meant to you. Yeah, it, it meant everything. So often people ask me to, to look back on my athletic career and you could talk about all well, championships or Olympics and whatnot, but like bringing together that group of guys and winning the way that we did and you know why we did was something truly special. I was sort of reminded of when I actually came to Auburn, um, like I, I was trying to put together like why the team was so successful, what we did, what I did. And I sort of realized that it was more about how leadership can come from anywhere. And it was such a great example when I first started. My first year it was four seniors in George Bovell, Eric Chanteau, uh, Doug Van Wee and Kirk Cady. I couldn't tell you who was the leader of the team, who was the elected leader, but like leadership and contribution can come from anywhere. 
And I think that was sort of such an important part of the diversity of the team. And like David was so many years ahead of the science, the research and understanding that that's really, truly important for everyone to be heard and for everyone to feel included so they can all contribute, right? So, you know, the things that I, I remember are just like um, a guy called Robert Looney, who no one will see on like record boards, right? But he scored for the very first time, I believe, and I hope I'm not screwing this up, in 2009 in the 200 fly. Mm. And I remember getting a text message from him saying, hey man, I remember what you said. It was the last thing I thought about, I thought about before I got in the blocks. And like my points contributed to the, you know, the thin margin that we won by, mm. you know, like without, but for Robert Looney, all we had to do in the last relay was not get disqualified, right? Like so everyone played their part. And yeah, it was a, it was a really tough few months it was really tough afterwards and you know the rest 2009 and you know for a, for a long long time he'll be remembered so i'm actually reminded for for you know david and also for especially for richard uh, listening to to david speak if anyone's ever seen uh dear um the oprah winfrey version on like apple tv plus she talks about um she talked about legacy and she said that like maya angelou she says, like, my, my legacy is going to be this school, right? Like, I believe this school is my legacy. And Maya Angelou, a friend of hers, turns to her and says, you don't know what it's going to be like yet. You don't know how many people you're going to touch. And that's how, uh, how Richard was for, for us, right? Like, the ripples of that have gone through to, to so many people. And you, like, you hear, like, road scholars still talking about Richard Quick and the stories we're still telling. We had our, you know, our 10-year anniversary last year, and it was really, it was really touching. And so I'm really glad that, you know, David and Richard and yourself talked to me and said, hey, you know, take the year off of the Beijing Olympics, but come back. But it was never really a consideration. You felt like you you had to, similar to what, you know, Aaron and, and Mark were saying about, like, not letting anyone down. Like, you wanted to, to bring your best for as long as you could. And that's part of the reason that people hung around for the fifth years. They hung around in Auburn because they wanted to see others be successful. And you can see, like, there was so many examples once again of like leadership coming from anywhere it didn't have to be a senior it didn't have to be elected leader it didn't have to be an assistant coach it didn't have to be connected to the team in other any other way except that they just cared mm. yeah well said man i appreciate that uh, david i'll leave the last words with you this has been this is now officially i said to the women this was our longest podcast in history this is now officially the longest podcast in history so congratulations guys you killed it um I'll leave the last words for you, my friend, you know, um, multiple championships, obviously uh, building a uh, dynasty or dynasty, as you say, uh, in America. But um, talk to us about, you know, uh, maybe just some final final thoughts. You got to turn your sound on. There was a relay in, in uh, 2004. And 2004 was probably the, the most slam dunk national championship we ever won. Don't you remember, Mark? It was like the the we walked in the door, and literally, I've never had this. Where in the first day, the meet was over, and we had we we broke two world records the first day, short course meters. We we put five in the top of the individual medley, except one of our guys got DQ'd, which is a BS call, but he we got DQ'd, and uh, and and Nate Knopf made final and made finals in the 1650, which is you know it was just unbelievable. That, that meet. But at that meet, we a medley relay of Doug Van Wee, Mark Gangloff, Fred Bousquet, and Butterfly, not Freestyle, 
and a guy named Derek Gibb, who was a, you know, a, a crab fisherman from, from uh, Alaska, was going against gold medalist Aaron Pearsall, gold medalist Brendan Hansen, gold medalist Ian Crocker, gold medalist uh, Garrett Webergale in the 200 medley relay. And uh, our guys won that relay. Uh, it was unbelievable. I don't know how it happened. And, uh, you know, that was, in my, that, was, that was Doug's first relay ever. He was a sophomore <laughs> and he, he, he was leading off against Aaron Pearsall. He was good underwater, so he went with him. <laughs> uh, and, you know, and over the, and if I reflect back, you know, even in a bigger context, you know, I worked for, uh, for uh, I worked with six different athletic directors at Auburn over time. Some were, to me, much better. Some were much worse uh, as far as helping us develop a national championship culture. And, uh, but I, I, you know, Pat Dye just recently passed away. And Pat Dye gave me a chance at the job when I was 30 years old. And the reason he gave me the chance at the job, because he had some great applicants. I mean, he had Skip Foster from Florida. He had Doug Ingram from SIU. He had some really good candidates that were also applying for the job. And he gave me the chance because Buddy Davidson reminded him that I, uh, that I would often, as a graduate assistant or as a student assistant, I'd often recruit till 11 or 12 at night, then sleep on the athletic department couch and then go down for morning practice. And he knew I'd work really hard to bring uh, Auburn back to, you know, some element of glory days. And so I have to, you know, honor Pat Dye in that uh, decision as an athletic director, not as a head football coach, which he gets, he gets most of his accolades, but he, he uh, understood what hard work is. And if you tie that into the Auburn Creed, which all of you learned how to, uh, by memorization, you learned the Auburn Creed when you were there, uh, Brian Karkowska, our strength coach, we called him PK. He'd put you through a gauntlet that was probably, the, I'm sure, the hardest thing that any college uh, team had gone through, in, at least in that three or four week window. And, and it was only for that. It was, it was to toughen our team and make us to where, by the time we got to the end of the year, that when it came to the last preliminaries, the Saturday morning of NCAAs, we would walk into the pool ready to, ready to fight. And oftentimes other teams were trying to survive and that's where we won a lot of our titles. And so I think the, the, when I look back, the, the challenge was taking these was, was identifying and having the athletes really in often cases identify people who would fit into what we do and then do what we do, which was, which was, we wouldn't do near as many yards as university of Georgia, university of Florida, but we would do incredible intensity and then it was all about performance. So we practiced high-pressure performance, whether it be in the 15-meter pool, whether it be in the 50-meter pool, or whether it be going head-to-head in racing. And, and I think there's nothing like getting that actual intense preparation to get someone ready for uh, the, 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 the special moments that you have to have at key times. So uh, the, the fun thing in seeing you guys on the, on the call tonight, and I haven't seen some of you in a long time, is just the memories of the people that you impacted by your leadership and the, the, the ways that you brought people along. Uh, I, I think we can't uh, dismiss the idea that, that to this day, you're still doing the th- same thing. I mean, you all, Brooke has brought me into Israel Swimming to help them. Uh, all of you are doing things to help uh, uh, high numbers of people. And that's what I would expect from our, our uh, graduates of Auburn. And, and, uh, and I would challenge 
all, all of my guys and women in the future that the uh, impact is much more important than the success and having that impact on people is where the rubber hits the road. And, and uh, so Brett, thank you for putting this together. Matt, thank you for uh, uh, the, the idea of doing this. And uh, I hope other teams do it too, because we need to learn from other championship systems and programs and, uh, and know that it's all, it's all about the people and it's, it's uh, the processes help and writing long books about these kind of things is a nice thing. But, you know, we were doing this before, uh, before books are written about it. And, and, uh, uh, you know, we were using Zig Ziglar and Anthony Robbins. We weren't, we weren't, uh, we weren't able to follow any kind of formula, but, uh, but we, we certainly had a lot of success and, and honestly had a lot of fun along the way too. I mean, this, this wouldn't happen if we, if we would have done a lot of laughter in the vans, those, those 15 passenger vans that we drive down to Florida training in and there's 15 people in the 15 passenger van because <laughs> that was our budget. <laughs> we had to fill the van to get down, to get down to our Christmas training and, and uh, so some great memories of that. And, and thank you guys for, uh, for, for gathering tonight to do this. Well, I can tell you this about all the people that I'm looking at here. And, you know, uh, all of these guys as swimmers, we're thankful for all of it. You know, the good times, the hard times, the bad times. I mean, the, I, I can tell you a story. I'm sure they could tell you a story of, of all of it, too. Like, it, it's all important. It's not just about the good times. And um, it's, it's the hard times that we remember the most that brings us together, that bonds us, you know, and, and that's the stuff that is memorable. And David always says, you know, do you want to be a, a T-shirt collector or do you want to be a, a trophy collector? And, you know, the, these guys wanted to be trophy collectors more than anything. And, um, and that's what made them great in the end. Um, I will say this, and I've said it many times, there's no one who's had a bigger impact on my life other than my father than David Marsh. And I'm sure that these guys here would, would say the same thing, you know? So we're so thankful for you, David, and who you are. And I know that Richard had a huge impact on your life. You've had that same impact on our lives. And, um, and we're very thankful for that. And so there's a lot to learn from, from the way that you built the, the teams at Auburn and, and the championships. There's a lot to learn from these guys. Um, I'm sure that, and, and I'm sure that, you know, Mark is, Mark is carrying on the legacy now. So I want everybody in the country to go and swim at UNC for Mark Engloff. That's my recruiting pitch right there. That's, that's a great man. That's a good man. Couldn't pick a better coach. All right. So um, go swim for him. But uh, guys, uh, thanks for being on the, on the show. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. War Eagle. Thank you. All right. Get some sleep. Take care. Bye. See you guys.